Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. I want to ask you, do you ever get outsider envy? You may have never heard of that term before, but this is kind of this experience when you're on the outer of something. You want to know what it's like to be on the inside, but you just can't find your way in. I'm not sure if you've experienced that before. I experience that almost every single time I get on a plane. It starts at the airport when you're checking in. You know, you're dragging your, uh, your luggage into the airport and you see where you've got to check in and there's a queue a mile long. And you kind of got to join the rest of the queue and wait. But just to the left of you is there's two open spots, two smiling staff ready to lend a hand and, and do whatever they can to make your experience great. But you have to be part of the first class passenger list to access them. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that. And it doesn't stop at check-in. You know, after the first class passengers check in, they can kind of disappear up to the, the lounges and enjoy some free food and drink and chill out before their flight where the rest of us in cattle class have to wander into the food court, remortgage our house to purchase a measly little bit of food, and try and deal with all the screaming children and the carry-on in the food hall. Uh, People would often look uh, at us in that moment with our three little kids and go, gee, I hope I'm not sitting next to you guys on the plane. You know, have that experience. But there's this outsider envy. You know, we want to be, we 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 want to be on the end, but we can't be. And there's absolutely no offense if you fly first class, well done. Well done. Please let me know how I can join you on your next flight. But there's a sense of outsider envy uh, in cattle class, and it doesn't end. It continues when you get on the plane. We were first among equals when we traveled with kids really little. They would invite us to come and board the plane just before the rest of economy class, just after first and business class boarded. And so I remember a few years ago, we were boarding a plane and we just saw celebrities walking past us into the first class lounge, in the first class cabin of the plane. And when we were finally on, the, host, the, the flight attendants hadn't shut the curtains yet, and so I peeked a look into the first class cabin. You know, there's so much space in there. They had these massive uh, couches, effectively, that people were sitting on. Flight attendants were wandering on, offering more free food and drink. And we had to turn right and head down the back of the plane and contort ourselves into the little seats and kind of move them back that tiny little bit that the, uh, the, the move of the seat allowed us. We may have been given a, a small packet of peanuts. And uh, if we were really lucky, a tiny little warm towel just to dab our faces with, to feel a little bit of relax on the, on the flight. You know, outside envy. My mum and dad were fortunate once, I don't know how they wangled it, but they were fortunate once to fly first class with Emirates on a jaunt from Europe to America. And my dad, he was blown away. They had showers, individual showers on the plane. Can you believe that? Gold fittings and everything. Man, talk about outsider envy. I don't know if you've experienced that. You've probably experienced it at an airport or on a plane, but maybe you've experienced it elsewhere as well. Maybe at school, uh, when you're at school or, or work even. There's a friendship group, there's a group you wanted to be in, but for whatever reason, you couldn't make it. No, maybe you experienced it at the shops. Uh, marketers are really good at giving us outsider envy when you buy something. Sir, would you like to be part of our VIP mailing list? No. Nope. <laughs> but 
Sir, would you like to get access to early specials that no one else can get? You know, they want to create this sense of an inside experience. Maybe you've experienced it on Facebook as well. You know, you've got a bunch of friends who are photographed together and you go, where was my invite? Why aren't I part of that? Why wasn't I part of that? You know, this outsider envy, it doesn't feel good. And whenever we experience this outsider envy, there's always some sort of barrier, some sort of wall preventing us from being on the inside. Sometimes those walls are external. We don't really have much to say about it. We can't really impact it. Like we just don't have the finances to fly first class. Or or we just have people that have made it known that we are not welcome. Sometimes those barriers are internal, you know, and they're things that we think about ourselves. Oh, I'm not I'm not good enough, or I'm not cool enough, or I'm not spiritual enough. You know, outside of envy doesn't feel good. But when it comes to faith, Jesus doesn't want us to have outsider envy. Jesus invites us into his presence, regardless of who we are or what we've done or who we know. He welcomes us into his family and breaks down the barriers that create this sense of outsider envy so that together we can become the presence of God through community. If you were here a couple of Sundays ago, Jason talked about the Ark of the Covenant. The ark was a sign of the covenant, a sign of the agreement that God had made with his people. God had first made a promise to Abraham that he would bless Abraham with many descendants, building them into a great nation. God promised that he would bless that nation and that through them, God would bless all nations on earth. And then when Moses led God's people out of Egypt and towards the promised land, God gave them instructions and commandments as to how to live out this covenant promise. And he reiterated his promise to build the nation, that they would be his people and he would be their God. But this covenant, this agreement, the the promises and presence of God were restricted to one nation. Those who were not part of this nation were called Gentiles, and they didn't get a look in. Sure, there are a few notable exceptions through history. Jethro, Moses' father, was in part of the, uh, the promises, and Rahab of Jericho found her way into the, the Israelite community. But generally, the Gentiles were excluded from the presences, from the promise and the presences, promises and presence, I should say, of God. Now, there was a bit of a barrier, uh, almost a wall between God and the Gentiles, because he wanted to bless a nation to be a light, to bless others. And so the Gentiles couldn't access his promises. They they couldn't be in his presence. There were prophecies that one day this would change, that one day God would pour out his spirit on all people. But even at the time of Jesus' birth, this prophecy was yet to be fulfilled. In fact, in in Jesus' uh, day and age, there was significant division between the two, between Jews, God's people, and the Gentiles. In some factions, there was outright hatred between some of the groups. And this, uh, this exclusion, this outsider kind of envy is even evident in the, the uh, Old Testament Jewish temple. By the time Jesus walked the earth, Solomon's temple had been spectacularly rebuilt by the Roman king of Judea, Herod. And it looked something a little bit like this. Uh, this temple was the, the heart of, of Jewish life and worship. Each morning and afternoon, sacrifices would be made in the temple. 
Jews from around the nation would travel here regularly for religious feasts and festivals to make sacrifices on behalf of themselves and their families. Yet the customs and the traditions of the the Jewish people meant that the temple was a very exclusive place. Accessing God's promises and presence was only for the select few. See, Gentiles were only allowed in the outer courts. You can see the outer courts, there's a barrier right to the right and the left. The Gentiles were only permitted to be behind that barrier. That's as close as they could get to the heart of the temple. And Jewish men and women were allowed uh, into the next kind of court, and they could go into the inner court, the court in the middle there. But that's as far as the women were allowed. From then on, only men who, only Jewish men who had gone through the purification rituals could progress further in towards the heart of the temple. But they couldn't make it too far, because shortly they would come across the altar that the priests and the Levites would sacrifice the animals on. And that court was only for Levites and priests. And that temple structure, the, the structure itself, the three-story building right at the heart of the temple, only priests could even enter the outer room in that space. It was the, called the holy place. And in the holy place, there, were, there was a candle that was always lit to, to signify God's presence with his people. There was a, an incense, an altar of incense that burnt fragrant aromas. There was a, a table with some bread on it that indicated God's provision for his people. And there was a gigantic curtain that separated that room from the next one. The, the next room in the temple, the final room in the temple was the Holy of Holies. And throughout the temple history, The Jews, uh, God uh, resided in that holy of holies. Back when Solomon was around, they they had the Ark of the Covenant in that space. Up until the the temple got, or the whole city got sacked, and the Ark got lost, only to be found by Indiana Jones. That's not part of the gospel, don't worry, that's not true. When, When Jesus was walking the earth, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in that space, but it was still considered the holy of holies. The the curtain that divided the holy place from the holy of holies was 10 centimeters thick, an extraordinarily heavy curtain. And only one person, one day a year, could enter in. The high priest of the Jewish nation was the only person allowed to enter into the holy of holies. And he could only do it on the day of atonement, the day when all of Israel would come together and sacrifice for the sins of the nation. The high priest would go in to sprinkle blood inside the Holy of Holies. And tradition, the Jewish tradition is that the priest would actually walk in backwards in case he glimpsed the glory of God. And there would be a rope tied around his waist in case he was struck down in God's presence and he had to be dragged out. It was the most holy place in all of Jerusalem but it was the most exclusive place as well. The temple was central in the life of the Jewish nation. It was where the Jews worshipped. It's where they encountered the presence of God. But it was very exclusive. To get closer to the presence of God, you had to be in the in-group. If you were a Gentile, God's promises and presence were far from you. And listen to what Paul says about that era in Ephesians 2. He says, you who are Gentiles, 
Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That was very much an in-group and the Gentiles may have looked on with outsider envy. But in Jesus, everything changed. Jesus was Emmanuel. Jesus was God with us. The God of all creation and all heaven moved out of heaven and into our neighborhood. Suddenly, you didn't have to be part of an in-crowd to draw near to God's presence. And Jesus welcomed the women. Jesus welcomed the poor. He welcomed the lame and the sick. He welcomed Gentiles into his presence. They may, not, they may have not been allowed past a certain point of the temple, but Jesus presenced himself amongst them. As he walked the earth, Jesus broke down the barriers that stopped people from experiencing God's presence. And Jesus broke down the barriers that created an us and a them. In his life, he welcomed everyone. And in his death, that 10 centimeter thick curtain that closed off the Holy of Holies in the temple, the curtain that blocked people from entering God's presence, it was torn from the top all the way to the bottom in two. Signify that God's presence would now be with his people. And after his resurrection, through the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence no longer resided simply in the temple, but within Jesus' followers themselves. In Jesus' life, death and resurrection, the barrier between Jews and Gentiles was destroyed forever. There was a new agreement, a new covenant that Jesus offered humanity. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, which was full of Gentiles, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, he himself has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, for through him we both, both Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit. And Jesus pulled down the barriers that separated humanity from a relationship with God. And it wasn't just ethnic barriers that Jesus broke down. As the gospel took hold and the church grew, social barriers were removed. The poor worshipped alongside the rich. Gender walls were destroyed. Men and women prayed together in the presence of God. And economic boundaries were torn down as well. Slaves and masters ate at the same table and fellowshiped together. All were in one. All were one in Christ Jesus. This was the radical news of the gospel. Jesus came for all. In this new multi-ethnic community of followers, there was a common unity. Not always a unity of opinion or a unity of thought, but a unity of identity. Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, everyone was welcome and united together in Christ. Paul continues his letter to Ephesians and he says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Christian community, there is a common unity in Christ. We are citizens of his kingdom. We are welcomed as sons and daughters into his family. There is no longer an us and a them. 
No longer those on the inside and the outside. We are all united in Christ Jesus, and he now resides amongst us. Paul continues to to paint this picture of Christian community. He says, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. God is no longer building a physical temple with bricks and with mortar, with stone. No, we are now a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. The temple was no longer needed. That There was a new covenant, a new agreement. God no longer dwelt in the Holy of Holies to be visited once a year by an individual person. The curtain was torn, and within 10 years of Paul writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, the temple itself would be reduced to rubble because God now presenced himself amongst his people. In Christian community. And he continues to presence himself amongst Christian community today. We are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. An American theologian named J. Ryan Lister says this, the church is where God dwells. The community of Christ is the institution that the Lord creates and uses to represent and perpetuate his divine presence in a lost in sinful world. We are God's plan. You are God's plan. Just look around for a moment. Look around at this room. You are God's plan. Together, we are God's plan. We're part of His plan to share His presence in the world. Say to the person next to you, you are God's plan. You are God's plan. You are God's plan. Oh, I think it kind of seems like a bit of a crazy plan sometimes. You know, I know myself. Oh, I know my shortcomings. I know my weaknesses. I know the things that, that, that hold me back. God, can you really use me? You really want to use me as part of your plan? Oh, I know some of you. I know some of the stories that you've got, some of the challenges that you face, some of the struggles that you work with. God, do you really want to use us? Is this really the best you've got, God? I want to share with you the answer is yes. Yes. God wants to use you. God wants to build us as a community of his people. He wants to use us to to shine his light brightly to one another and to this broken world. He he wants to to break down barriers in your life. He wants to build your life around the, the central unifying truth of Jesus. And he wants to build us together as his dwelling place. He wants to tear down division and and build unity in Christian community so that we can experience the presence of God through the encouragement and prayers of God's people. God wants to build us as a community to represent and to share his divine presence both to one another and to a broken and hurting world. It's a crazy plan, but he invites you to be part of it. It's his plan to see his kingdom come. So what does it look like? Well, what does Christian community look like? What's our role? Oh, we could do a whole six-week series exploring that, but today I just want to outline three key elements of Christian community and explore how through community we can become the presence of God. Firstly, Christian community is where we embody Christ's 
presence. Jesus says in in Matthew chapter 18, he says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There I am with them. When Christians gather in community, Jesus is amongst us. And we reflect him to one another. The Bible is filled with these one another commands to show followers of Jesus how to engage with one another in Christian community. In the New Testament alone, the Greek word for one another is used 94 times. And half of those verses give us instructions on how to live in Christian community. Instructions like love one another, do good to one another, accept one another, build up one another, encourage one another, confess your sins to one another. When we live out these commands to one another in community, we are living them out to Jesus. And we embody Christ's presence to one another. See, when you experience the love and acceptance of others, you experience Christ's love. When you confess your sins to one another and they forgive you, you experience God's forgiveness also. When people pray for you in your pain or brokenness, they are sharing in the healing work of Jesus. When we love one another, forgive one another, and pray for one another, we reflect God to one another and point people to his goodness and to his glory. And as you do that, God makes those walls tumble down. When you accept others without prejudice as Christ does, people's fear and hesitancy drops away. When you forgive one another, animosity and revenge fades into the background. When you encourage one another, insecurities are weakened and stumbling blocks are removed. And sharing experiences and stories in our lives brings people closer together, helps them to see God in their own situation. Just this week, I spent some time with another staff member here and just asked a couple of simple questions about their life story. I didn't know them all that well, but in that moment, they took a leap of faith. They chose to trust me, and they opened up and shared some of the deep elements of their life story, things that I had never knew of and and things that only they had found out fairly recently, things that were so personal and so significant. But as they were sharing, we both had tears in our eyes And we were marveled by how God had moved so powerfully in their life. As we spent time together and shared authentically with one another, we were both blessed by the testimony of God at work. And it drew us closer together. See, when we live and share in Christian community, we embody Christ's presence. A second hallmark of Christian community is that it's a place to be served and to serve. On the very night he was betrayed, Jesus knelt down and washed the feet of his followers. In this incredibly humbling act, Jesus showed the heart of a servant. And he encouraged his disciples to be similarly servant-hearted towards one another. Jesus said to them, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Christian community is a, is a place both to serve and to be served. Sometimes we find it really difficult to be on the receiving end of these gifts of service. Even in this counter, encounter, Peter at one point refuses to allow Jesus to wash his feet. 
I know when many of us, when someone asks us, hey, is there anything that I can do to help? Our default answer is, nah, I'm good. Thanks, but I'm good. Sometimes it's awkward to ask for help, to receive help. But this is actually one of the key ways that God reveals his presence to a lost and broken world. Many years ago now, when we were having some similar downpours that we've had in this last week, you know, I remember being at home and it just seemed to be raining every day, day after day for a long period of time. I remember being at home and just hearing this hum of a motor outside. Over the sound of the rain bucketing down on the roof, I could hear this, some sort of power tool going on. I was watching TV at the time, I was just chilling and relaxing, and so I, I got up and looked out the front of the house. And there was no one sort of using a chainsaw to chop down trees or pressure washing their front yard. It's like, I could still hear this motor. What's going on? It seemed really close, and so I wandered around to have a look out the backyard. And there was one of my friends, drenched from head to toe, pushing a mower backwards and forwards across my yard, mowing my grass for me. It was a really bizarre kind of moment. I thought it was someone broken in first and mowed my yard until I recognized who it was. It was one of my friends from the life group I was in at the time. I felt really guilty that I was just sitting on the couch watching TV while he was working hard in my yard. And so I, I went and chatted with him and said, what are you doing, mate? And he told me that he had just, uh, for whatever reason, he had some time and he needed to go and mow his yard because he was about to leave town. And he'd already been drenched from head to toe, and he figured that my, uh, my backyard had burst into life, like yours might be right at this moment. And he thought, I'm just going to go and serve Tim. And uh, I was completely blown away. That, that, that moment kind of was a, a foundational part in our friendship. And even though we live now thousands of miles, thousands of kilometers apart, we are still really good friends, and we laugh about that time that he came to mow my grass in the wet but you know what? It didn't just leave an impact on me. It left an impact on my neighbor. We were, my neighbor and I were having a chat a little bit later in the week, and he noticed the same insane person mowing my yard. He said to me, he said, Tim, you must have paid a lot of money for someone to come and mow your grass in the middle of that rain. I said, no, one of my friends from church just came to do it to serve me. Ah, that's what we're all about. Isn't that insane? And he just was gobsmacked. He couldn't, kept, he couldn't comprehend, he couldn't get his head around the fact that somebody would want to show somebody else that kind of service, that kind of love. See, when we love and serve one another, God reveals his presence to a broken and hurting world. Shortly after this foot-washing moment, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Christian community is a place that we can both serve and be served by one another. And when we love and serve one another, we point the rest of the world towards Jesus. And thirdly this morning, Christian community is a workshop for prayer and worship. Acts 13 tells us about this amazing church at Antioch. And Paul, uh, the writer of the Acts, many people think it's Luke, he, he writes what's happening in this church. He says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. 
for the work to which I have called them. So after the church had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And many of those who are putting their trust in Jesus in Antioch were not from the Jewish background. They were Gentiles. They were these ones who were being grafted in to the new covenant. And so everyone shared a diversity of background, but a common unity in Christ. People were joining this community from different backgrounds, and together they were learning and discovering what it looked like to pray, to worship, to fast, and to hear from God together. Christian community truly is a workshop for prayer and worship. I've been really encouraged to see and hear of how many of you are leaning in to this season of prayer and worship and prayer and fasting. And I've been chatting with a bunch of you, and many of you are, are fasting for the very first time, which is extraordinary. Some of you are fasting for days at a time. Some of you are fasting from a meal. Some are fasting from technology. But God is, is moving powerfully. You know, I'm, I'm hearing stories where God is, is shaping people's heart, helping you to forgive, helping you to let go of anger, helping you to kind of see new things about God and His goodness. Now, I love that we are learning together, doing this journey together. I'd love to encourage you to keep sharing stories. You can simply email us your journey at prayer at gatewaybaptist.com.au. We'd love to hear what God is saying, what God is doing in your life as you hunger after Him. I was really encouraged this past Tuesday at our, our prayer gathering here together. And there are a bunch of, I think there's more than 50 of us here and coming together just to seek God, to pray for our church, to hunger after Him and to pray with one another. And there were people who had never been to a gateway prayer meeting before, but they were eager to be part of this experience and press into God. There were people who sensed God saying something through them. There were others that gathered around to stand with them to pray for the thing that God was saying. There were people learning how to pray, growing in their understanding of God, stepping outside of their comfort zone, taking steps together. And I believe when we try new things, when we step out of that comfort zone, when we, when we experiment, we grow. I believe God wants to continue to encourage us to take steps of freedom in our prayer and in our worship. Just to, to, to praise Him with abandon, not to worry about what people to the left or the right, the back or the front are thinking about us, but instead just to worship Him in freedom. I want to encourage you to come and be part of this Tuesday's prayer night as well. And we're going to be praying for young people right here from 6 p.m. on Tuesday night because Christian community is a workshop for prayer and worship. Christian community is where we embody Christ's presence. It's a place to serve and be served, and it's a workshop for prayer and worship. And when we live out Christian community, God breaks down walls. In Christian community, broken lives can be restored. Through Christian community, we witness the power and the presence of God. And in Christian community, the glory of God is reflected into the world. Together we share a common unity in Christ as fellow citizens, as members of God's family, as a dwelling place of God's Spirit. I love gathering together 
as a large family, as a large community, coming together on a Sunday to, to, to worship God and to, to open the Word together. It's, it's one of the highlights of my week. I hope it is for you as well. But here at Gateway, we are a large family. And we make no apology for that. In fact, we want to continue to be a growing family where more and more people are experiencing the love and the grace and the message of Jesus. Now, but in order to fully uh, experience Christian community, to be in a place where you know others and are known yourself, we really need to find ourselves to be part of smaller groups. And that's why we encourage everyone here to be part of a life group. A smaller group of people who are doing the journey of life together, living out the realities of Christian community. Here at Gateway, we encourage everyone from 5 to 105 to be part of a life group. There are life groups for kids and life groups for teenagers. There's life groups for young adults and life groups for young marrieds. There's life groups just for men, even life groups that are called fight clubs, where people, blokes gather together to fight for, for um, not physically, they fight for marriages, they fight for their families, they fight for what is good and true in this world. There's life groups for women to grow deeper in their understanding of the Bible. There's life groups that are focused on discipleship, life groups that are, that are focused on mission, life groups that are focused on growing deeper in God's Word. There is a place for everyone to find their own Christian community and to become the presence of God together. But sometimes we put up our own barriers Sometimes we erect these walls that stop us from jumping in, from fully investing in the Christian community. A really common barrier that we put up is we say we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to invest in the community. Oh, I'm too busy for a life group. Oh, I can't find a time that works for me. I'm, I'm time poor. Now you've got, you're juggling the expectations of your workplace, your family, and a bunch of other commitments. You just don't have time for it. You like the concept of Christian community, but you, you just don't seem to have the time to invest into it. Oh, busyness is one of the curses of our modern age. And as a society, we seem to be getting busier and busier, more and more distracted. But as we do that, we seem to be becoming lonelier and lonelier, and our mental health is suffering. I want to encourage you to prioritize Christian community. Uh, we all have the same 24 hours in a day and the seven days in a week. Uh, the Prime Minister of Australia has just the same amount of time each day that we do. But ultimately, how we spend that is up to what we prioritize and the decisions that we make. I want to encourage you to commit to prioritize community, whether that's being part of a fortnightly life group Catching up every month with a, with a group of people just to pray and support one another. Or being involved in a ministry somewhere here at church on a weekly basis. I want to encourage you to tear that barrier of time down. Prioritize Christian community. Another barrier that prevents us from engaging in community is our past, or at least our perceptions of our past. Maybe you've had some negative experiences previously. Maybe you were hurt and you don't want to open yourself up to that kind of experience again. Perhaps people have let you down. I recognize that there are some significant challenges here. And when we open ourselves to others, when we are vulnerable and let people into our lives, there is a risk that that openness, that, that trust 
will be misused. And we can potentially get hurt. But what if it's community through which God actually wants to heal us? What if He wants us to discover His forgiveness and His grace and His restoration as our lives intersect the lives of others? Community is where we can experience the healing presence of God through the encouragement and prayers of His people. And as I said before, there are many options for life groups here at Gateway. If one of them doesn't work, there's absolutely no, inf- no offense in-, in leaving and trying to find one that will. Don't let your past experiences hold you back from what God wants to do in your future. Finally, a third barrier that can stop us from connecting into community is the fear of the first step. The fear of the first step. You're just not really sure what to do. Or you're a little, you're a little concerned. You don't want to just turn up to somebody's house for life group without knowing what you're stepping into. Well, today we've got a really simple step that you can take to help you get connected. You can always fill in a Connect card. Every Sunday, we've got Connect cards you can fill out. Let us know that you'd like to be part of a life group, and we'll do what we can do to connect you in. But this morning, straight after our service, we, are, we have an event called GroupLink. We run this once a quarter, and it's a great way to get connected with other people here at the church. And out in the function room right after the service, you'll have the opportunity to uh, find out more about the different types of life groups here at Gateway, to meet other people who are also looking to plug in community and to start the journey of doing life and experiencing the presence of God together. If you are not yet part of a life group here at this church, I want to encourage you to get along to GroupLink. Find out how you can take that next step towards finding community and enjoying God's presence in the Christian community that He calls us to. See, I believe that God is calling us this year to not only seek His presence, but to be present with one another in community. I believe He doesn't want anyone to experience outsider envy here at the church. Jesus wants to pull down the barriers that separate us. He wants us to be united with one another so that we become the dwelling place of God. He's inviting us to take a step of faith, to make a commitment to Christian communities so that we can change and grow to become more like Jesus. He desires to move amongst us and use us to show one another what He is like. He wants to grow within us a desire, a passion, a heart for prayer and worship. He's inviting us to take new steps, to try new things, to experience new ways of praying and to be free in our worship. God wants us to be His presence in our world, serving one another and allowing ourselves to be served with radical love that is broadcast to those who are desperate, desperately needing it. This morning in this year, I believe God wants to bring us together, to draw us into life together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want to ask you, how can you take a deeper step in the community? What role does God want you to play in building His dwelling place? What is He calling you to do to be part of and to contribute to Christian community this year? This morning, I believe God wants to speak through us as a community to bring blessing and breakthrough 
in people's lives. God is, like God is still in the business of bringing down walls in your life, removing the blockages that are stopping you from getting closer to Him. He wants to remove the barriers that we've constructed, to tear down the, the blockages that have been built by others. He wants to draw us closer to Himself. God sent His Son to live amongst us, and He tore that curtain in the temple down the middle to show us that He wants to walk side by side with us. And He wants to speak through the prayers and His presence in His people. So I want to invite you to stand this morning. I want to invite you to stand all across this room. I want us to get a little bit messy this morning. And I talked about us being a, a, a community, a workshop of prayer and worship. And this morning, I just simply want to encourage us, to challenge us to pray for one another. Now, as, you, as you're standing this morning, I, I want to ask you, what are the walls in your life that you want to see God break through? Or what are the blockages that are holding you back, holding your loved ones back from experiencing His love and His presence? Or what are the barriers, barriers and the blockages that you need God to remove in your life? Perhaps you're holding on to anger and you just need God's help to let go. Maybe there's something in your marriage that you, God want, you want God just to, to break through. Perhaps it's the desire for your kids that, that God would soften a hardened heart. And he would share the message that you would, he would be able to share the message of his gospel through yourself to your kids, to your loved ones. Or maybe there are others in your life, people who you, you just don't know how to share the love of Jesus with. Maybe your co-workers, you, you just want God's help to be able to share his message with those that you live, work, and love with. Maybe you're here this morning and there's a, there's a, a, a healing that you are desperate for. You need God to clear a, a sickness in your life or the life of a loved one. This morning we're going to pray for one another. Oh, we're going to stand with one another and ask God together to bring breakthrough and blessing. And we're going to be the presence of God together. The way we're going to do that, I'm going to invite you down the front shortly and just invite you to come with your prayer of blessing and breakthrough. Just the, the thing that God has rested on your heart. And as you come down, we always have the prayer and the pastoral team down the front. But this morning, I want to challenge us all as a community to come and stand and pray with our brothers and sisters. You might know them from a, your life group. You might know them because they're sitting next to you. You might not know them from a bar of soap. But I want to encourage you to come and stand with them, to identify with them and just pray a simple prayer that God would bring breakthrough in their lives. In a minute, I'm going to invite you just to come forward. And just if, if that's you, if you've got a, a prayer in your heart, just to stand with your hands open. And I'm going to invite the rest of us just to come down and stand with our brothers and sisters and pray for them. But before we do that, God had a prayer for the church at Ephesus, for this community of people brought together, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. God brought them together in unity. And Paul prayed a prayer for them. It's an incredibly powerful prayer, and I think it's a prayer for us this morning. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. It's my prayer for this church. 
For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause this morning. I believe He wants to work powerfully in your life this morning. As Mark and Helen lead us, I just want to invite you to come forward. That prayer in your heart, that prayer that you are asking God to bring blessing and breakthrough, that prayer that He would do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine. I want to invite you forward this morning just to stand with your hands open. Be willing to receive what God has for you as your brothers and sisters come and lay a hand on you just to pray and to stand to join with you that God would bring blessing and breakthrough in this community this morning. Why don't you come forward as we sing together this morning? We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click Get Connected to let us know.